0: Ever wondered why African contributions to philosophy, science, and technology do not rank alongside other more recent civilizations? Well, I think it is because we do not know enough. Some brilliant archaeologists and historians have been busy and know much more. Welcome to the Ancient Roots Podcast, dedicated to conversations with these archaeologists and historians to discover and to wonder the, how the ways of the ancients could help our modern ways. Thank you, Dr. Kingsley Daro for agreeing to have this discussion, which brings together a lot of the expertise that you've acquired over the years. If I may Thank ask you very you very first, much. archaeology. How did you come
1: to study archaeology? Well, funny enough, I actually wanted to study medicine. Yes, and okay. um, I never, yeah, I never really knew what archaeology was. So when I wrote the entrance examination, what we call JAM, the Joint Admission Matriculation Examinations, you know, examinations into the university, when I actually got admission after I wrote that exam, I got admission. I never really knew what I was going to study in university. I actually thought it was a course related to medicine. So when I got to university and I saw it was archaeology, I had to brace up to it. And uh, I know I had several challenges because you find people telling you, What is archaeology? What's that? You know, even during my youth service after graduating, um, I know I remember someone who studied pharmacy. I asked me, What did I study? I said archaeology, architecture. You know, that is the problem, we usually confuse archaeology for architecture or something related, you know, and it's something I I tried to address in a paper I published in um, just last year in Archaeologist, oh, a high journal in the field of archaeology. Yeah, so I'm talking about archaeology education at um, the site I worked on, or oh, I'm working on in Ibuku, somewhere in southeastern Nigeria. So, I did a little bit of community archaeology there, in which I tried to, in that paper, try to talk about what archaeology is all about and how it can be useful even in our contemporary society. Yes, so let me say, I came to study archaeology by chance. It was not intentional. It was just, I found myself studying archaeology. And over time, I think I've come to appreciate the discipline because of its relevance and because of its uniqueness, you know. And then every time you go to the field to excavate or to just, you're just, it's like an adventure. It's something that's very, very, very interesting. So, so, so that is it. I just stumbled on archaeology. It was not something that a, a, a premeditated action. So mm. I just stumbled on it. And I think I've been enjoying myself so far, regardless of the challenges we have practicing the discipline. And um, those
0: challenges, hopefully uh, you are surmounting them. So you are enjoying your chance adventure into archaeology. Um,
1: Yes, of course, I am.
0: Very good. And um, from the publications and the work you do, it is very valuable work that you are unearthing. Which leads me to my next question, which is my curiosity about Africa's contribution to the life we live today things that the continent may have contributed, but we aren't aware of them. And I'm just curious, in the work you have done in Iboku and other places, for you to share some of what we may not know about, the influences that, that Africa may have had on European and other civilizations that we aren't aware of. I mean, we know about Egypt, and all that came from there, but what else?
1: My work at Ibuku started um, sometime in 2019, at the preliminary phase of that work. We have done, well, two. One was the first work we did in 2019 was just like a training. Well, they were both training programs anyway for community members of, uh, of Ibuku. And the first season, which was in 2019, was just a little to what I call test pit excavation, to just a small excavation. The more um, elaborate one was in 2021, January of 2021, which was a little bit extensive, which I did in collaboration with um, a colleague from the University of Cambridge. And um, so for now, I would say our work is still building up, but based on what we have on ground from Ibuku, Ibuku was a site or is a site in Southeastern Nigeria, Anambra State precisely. And the pioneering work that um, went on there started around 1959, when Professor Thurston Shaw, late Professor Thurston Shaw excavated the site. He was invited based on some very unique materials that were discovered bronze objects and um, over a hundred thousand, well, after the excavation, they recovered over a hundred thousand glass and Canadian beads and, and a very unique Ibuku bronze roped pot, which is making waves around the world. So these materials, when you look at them closely, you discover that the technology involved in manufacturing these materials, initially there was this contestation amongst archaeologists Around that time, the 1960s, when Thorsten Shaw finished that excavation and published his book in 1970, you know, there was this contestation that those materials were not indigenous to Nigeria. You know, and um, you know, you know, Because there's always this view of, um, of Africans that um, Africans had no... I mean, Africa is referred to as a dark continent, a region that is backward in ideology and development. So nobody really saw Africa as a place where you could actually have these sophisticated materials. So they quickly tied it to innovation from across the ocean, from the Mediterranean, from India and the likes of it. But from works that were later carried out years after by both indigenous archaeologists and even outsiders, From the date we got from Ibuku, we're dating to about a thousand years ago. It shows that about a thousand years ago, we already had this form of civilization, this sophisticated technology to have been able to construct or, or build such um, such materials like the bronze pots, because they were very, very sophisticated. The technology involved in, because of the stylistic, um, of the, the, the styles that was involved in manufacturing the, uh, the, the bronze pots. So it was, it was produced by Africans. It was produced here in
0: Nigeria. So thank you. So a thousand years ago, 10th century AD, that leads me to wonder what came before for them uh, before this, um, all this technology. And where did that come from? How what, how was it developed? How was what the stages in development? Or am I asking that question too early in the day?
1: No, no, it's not actually too early in the day because um, some of these questions actually strike our thoughts, you know, to think deeper, even beyond what we are presently thinking. Yes. Um, well, for now, I wouldn't really say we have evidence to show what was actually before that time. You know, if you are going farther beyond, which means that you are going to maybe the early stone age on how humans evolved, you know, but the likes of But No, 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 that, that is not it for now. But currently at Ibuku, you know, part of the challenges we have at Ibuku was, the materials we all, uh, that have been unearthed so far uh, have been somehow in have been in ice in isolation, so to speak, in the sense that um, we have not really discovered the the production centers where those materials were actually produced. Like what we are presently doing now is trying to look beyond Ibuku to look at neighboring towns. How what was the expanse of the civilization? of Ibuku civilization, what is it's just within that town, within the Ibuku territory, or it was beyond that, perhaps by the time we start looking beyond that, we may start getting information on where those materials were produced and probably what even happened before that time. So, but for now, I think it's still work in progress. Gosh, that must be
0: exciting to begin to imagine how, like you said, this is in isolation, but something like this could not exist in isolation, in reality. So there must be links. And where are those links? What what is the earth hiding? Mm. Yes. So um, if it's 10th century AD, then I guess the question I asked about how it has, what is there, has influenced the life we live today, that is still a question to be um, answered at some point in time when the excavation and the, the lessons have been learned or been unearthed. So perhaps let me ask my other question, which is from what you've seen so far, have you got any better understanding of the lives of ordinary people in that area? Because Mm -hmm. these people will be making the the bronze spots that are that sophisticated. The individuals who make them must have families. They must have things at home. They must have other lives. So this technology, whether it has showed up anywhere else in the lives of ordinary people,
1: yes. And well, for now, for now, we have not um, um, recovered any evidence to show that. But from what we have done so far, we because what we are doing, we are trying to bring in different experts to try to understand the life ways of the people of Ibuku, even as at that a thousand years ago. How did they exploit the environment? What was the kind of food they ate? And so, what we have done, I mean, one of the analyses that is out, I mean, we carried out what we call residue, organic residue analysis on the pottery, that is the, the clay pots that were recovered. And um, we actually discovered that those people actually, the kind of food they ate, well, those pots were actually used to prepare fatty foods like um, ruminant animals and um, something like cow, goats. Those are kinds of animals that we exploited in the past. So I don't think they really had a different kind of life. I mean, these are things that still happen in our contemporary society. So it it didn't really show that um, they had a different kind of life. They were living over a thousand years ago from what they are, you know, they are doing now, there is still similarity in, in, the, in the kind of life they are living. Now, but aside Ibuku, we have evidence somewhere in IFE of on-site evidence to show that some of these materials were actually produced. Now, these glass beads were talked about in Ibuku, obviously for now, we've not be able to recover any evidence. But somewhere in IFE, where a colleague of mine is working on, he was even part of the project. And we, they were able to recover crucibles. And like this is one of the first times crucible, well, not really the first time anyway, but just an additional evidence in which crucible crucible was, was recovered. Now, crucible is where these glass beads are produced somehow, you know, where they are mashed and processed, you know, something like that. So it sh- and from even from the crucibles that were recovered, evidence of glass production, I mean the raw materials, they're still recovered within the crucibles. So it shows that obviously these glass beads were actually, because one thing about the glass beads, they are very tiny. So it what comes to mind is what kind of technology would have been involved in producing something as tiny as this. And the, the, the amount of technology that would have been put into it to produce this in thousands in thousands so it shows that obviously somewhere around ife these materials were actually produced locally and still dating because they've been this um, trying to, uh, this comparison between ife and igboku about the dates somewhere around ife to around this 10th century ad period too you know we also gotten um, dates around this time period that these materials were also produced so yes, we've been able to, I mean, for now, we are just getting insights into the life ways of the people in, in the past, over a thousand years ago. But obviously we'll still carry out, we are still carrying out more work with more excavations and more analysis. Obviously with time, we will have a comprehensive picture of what actually happened in a in, in very distant past. So what I'm hearing you say is that these, the production
0: site, May have yes, been in, in Ife. And um, if, in comparing them, uh, am I right that in, in comparing the glass from uh, the found in Ibuku and the one in Ife, that it may be the same origin?
1: For now, I've not seen any publication that says the, 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 the beads from Ibuku were actually produced at Ife. Mm. We've not been able to establish that connection. Yes, obviously, there is no doubt that um, local trades were not occurring or happening in the, in the past locally within the Nigerian space, locally. So there is, there is no doubt that that would have been occurring. But to give a whooping statement that the Ibuku beads were produced in Ife, I think that would be too early to start um, mm. to, to make such a comment for now. Mm. But we know that in Ibuku, we have evidence of glass beads. But for the production, the production was African-based. Mm. It didn't come from Europe. It didn't come from America. It didn't come from elsewhere across the ocean or the Sahara Desert. It came from Africa. It came from Nigeria. It was locally produced. That is a fact. Yeah. You said that the glass
0: beads were tiny. Yeah, it's um, very tiny. Is there any idea what they were used for? Was that just... Because um, I'm thinking a tiny glass bead would probably not be part of a necklace. It might be adornment for some clothing. Is there any indication what they use those
1: tiny glass beads for? Well, you've already said it. I mean, obviously, we're used for adornment. And I think also for ritual. Now, apart from on the clothes, there could also be um, the the adornment on the necklaces.
0: I'm not an archaeologist, but I can feel... um, excitement when I imagine what it would be like to either have a reenactment or some graphic representation of what life must have been like at that time. Because I'm thinking that if, I mean, in terms of people who don't know the distances, Ife to Iboku in terms of traveling distance is probably about six hours driving,
1: Yes, or more.
0: Or more. So, and to, to the communication and the travel across that time to enable the trade to happen, what, yes. what was the mode of transportation, how were people dressed when they were traveling, and all that. Yes, this is these are the pictures going on in my mind of
1: wondering. Yes, yes. I understand that curiosity. I am also curious because when you also look at the transatlantic trade, I mean, <laughs> these things actually happened. And you start wondering somewhere in your village in the southeast or in the southwest, how were these guys able to penetrate, you know, come down there all the other way to Benin and, and the likes of it? But what we what we know is that actually people moved in the past. Yes, perhaps it took them days that people actually traveled long distance and searching for or we know people So I think that is a fact. And anyway, when you look at um, the historic evidence of, of trade networks, I mean, the fact is there that people actually moved, you know, regardless of the distance or apart from those communities or those localities.
0: Yes. I mean, when I'm reading um, Ivan Van Sertima's book, um, that came before Columbus, uh, where he's presented evidence that the Egyptians had ships that had a thousand, that carried a thousand people in them. And that the, the Wolof in the Senegal-Gambia area were known to have been sailing across to the, to the Americas pre-Christ, to the BC. So because there's evidence that um, of, of them having been there, as far back as eight hundred BC. Yeah. So yes, people were traveling and we don't understand how far yet, but it, it would be exciting to to find out more as you continue your digs. Yeah.